Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP, 106.5 FM, Louisville. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 208. Today's topic is Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal, Part 10. This program is part of WFMP's public affairs educational programming. The views expressed are those of the speaker and not the station. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please email info at theclimatereport.net. And if you like this content and want to find more of the same, go to theclimatereport.net or just email me. So, what we're doing is talking through Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal. And, you know, we've been doing this 10 episodes and we're hardly even getting started on that. But this is important. Don't fall asleep. This is good stuff. It's important to talk about the Green New Deal because it's important for our survival. It's important that we thrive. We don't want to just survive. We want to thrive. And we can no longer leave policy to the politicians. Politicians have utterly failed to deliver to us the policy that we need. In fact, you can tell whether a society is a democracy or something else by whether there is a gap between public policy and public opinion. So, public opinion wants Medicare for all, but that's not our policy. Public opinion wants to do away with the prison industrial complex and mass incarceration, but that's not public policy. Public opinion wants to legalize marijuana, but that is not public policy. Public opinion wants to wants for war to not be the first thing. You know, public opinion wants war to be the last resort, not the first resort. But that's not public policy. We could go on and on. Public opinion did not want the banks to be bailed out, the criminal fraudulent bankers to be bailed out in 2008, 2009, and beyond. But that was not public policy. Public opinion wants a rational food system, not industrialized agribusiness-driven, greed-driven system that we have now. We could go on and on. There's a, so there's a gap between public policy and public opinion. That needs to change. If we're going to have a democracy, then public policy will never be a perfect reflection of, of public opinion. But why shouldn't it be? Why should public policy reflect anything but public opinion. We need to get to a time when public policy reflects public opinion almost perfectly. In order to get there, we have to know what kind of public policy we are looking for. So let's get started. So in Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal, we're ta- we've been talking about transportation for the last two or three episodes. We've been talking about transportation, and we're almost to the end of the part about transportation. So this last thing here says we're going to retrofit dangerous fossil fuel infrastructure. 
says here in 2013, 800,000 gallons of crude oil was spilled in railroad accidents. Think about that. 800,000 gallons of crude oil was spilled in railroad accidents. In 2014, an average of one oil train derailed every five days. The Federal Railroad Administration will adopt new rules requiring companies to retrofit the coal and oil bomb trains to prevent explosions, derailments, and spills. We will take similar action to protect communities' well pads, substations, compressor stations, and pipelines as we remove fossil fuels to better protect communities that never asked to be cited in their footprint. So one, one of the things that's going on here is that you, we want to regulate fossil fuel companies. We want to regulate them in a way that makes their operations safe. As long as we have them, their operations should be safe. Now, what they will tell you is that regulation is bad for jobs. Translation, regulation is bad for profits. Just because they say regulation is bad for jobs doesn't mean regulation is bad for jobs. In fact, regulation is good for jobs, but it's bad for profits. We want these companies to be less profitable for two reasons. One is, if they're profitable, they may, if they're unprofitable, They may go out of business, and that can be a good thing. Some businesses should not exist. Just because a business is creating jobs doesn't mean they're good jobs, doesn't mean it's a net gain in jobs. It doesn't mean, uh, you know, some jobs should not exist. Any job associated with nuclear power or nuclear uh, bombs should not exist. Any job associated with making ever better weapons should not exist. Not all jobs are equal. Some jobs are bad for society. Some jobs are good for society. In the richest country in human history, we can afford to do away with some of the jobs that are bad for society. So that's what Bernie is talking about here. We're going to retrofit the coal and oil bomb trains to prevent explosions. If the companies can't afford that, well, that's just tough. If you can't afford to make your operations safe, then you, uh, then you need to be shut down. If you can't afford to operate safely, then you can't afford to operate. Not only should you be safe toward your employees, but you should be safe toward the communities in which you operate. If you can't operate safely, you should not operate. Now, let's go to item 16 in Hart Hagen's handy-dandy numbered version of Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal. Number 16 in Bernie Sanders' Uh, Green New Deal is research and development. This is going to be fun because research and development is primarily, hear this people, research and development is primarily 
the domain of government, you have been told that the free enterprise system is the engine of growth. That we, But what you have not been told is the amount of money that government has invested in research and development for time immemorial. That is why we have computers. That is why we have the planes that we have. That is why we have lasers. That is why we have lots of the medical technologies. It's because of government investment in research and development. We need to take charge of the process of research and development because the profits of research and development have gone strictly to the rich, strictly to the big companies, strictly to the plutocrats. We need to make it so, for one thing, the profits from research and development are not strictly going to the wealthiest people. We also need to make sure that what we are developing, what we are investing in, is something that people actually need. Because what we have now is, for time immemorial, the government has put almost all, you know, most, has most of its research and development money into the Pentagon for things that we don't need. We have not fought a war of defense since 1945. All of our wars since 1945 have been wars of offense. That needs to change. So here's the formula for research and development spending. You scare the dickens out of people. You make them think that they have to fear communists and they have to fear terrorists and they have to fear narco-traffickers and they have to fear socialists. And then, oh gosh, government, please make me safe. Be my knight in shining armor. Spend a trillion dollars every year on bigger and better bombs. Spend a trillion dollars a year on things like depleted uranium so that we can make chemical war on other countries. It's not only mad, it's kind of stupid. We need to take in, uh, control of our research and development spending. So let's read what Bernie has here to say about research and development. Our scientists and engineers know how to solve our climate crisis. Despite massive federal subsidies for fossil fuels, renewable energies have improved in cost and efficiency year after year and now rival or surpass conventional energies in cost effectiveness. What we lack is long-term federal commitment to our scientists and engineers in the sustainable energy sector to accelerate innovation in both energy production and storage. Our country developed the internet, light bulbs, and GPS. We have developed a cure for polio. A Bernie Sanders administration will spur the development of the technologies and innovations we need to tackle the climate crisis. So one thing it says in this paragraph is that 
you know, we're still subsidizing fossil fuels. We are not spending enough money subsidizing clean and renewable energy. And yet, and yet, the cost of clean and renewable energy continues to go down. We need to continue to subsidize the research and development of renewable energy in all the key areas. Here are some of the key areas in which we need to subsidize the development of renewable energy. Number one, we need to subsidize solar. We need to put uh, technicians, engineers and technicians and planners to work developing deploying solar panels, installing solar panels. We need to put engineers, developers, planners, and communicators to work manufacturing solar panels. We need to change from our auto factories, many of them, to factories that build solar panels. Furthermore, we need to subsidize the development of wind power generation by giving jobs to engineers to build and deploy wind power. We also need to build and we also need to, we need to manufacture the parts for wind powered generation and we need to deploy them. Uh, We need a state-of-the-art energy grid because if we're going to have solar power and wind power, we need a different energy grid than what we have now. The energy grid that we have is the grid of the past. What we need is a grid of the future. We also need to put uh, engineers and technicians to work building mass transit. We need a whole train system. We need to put engineers and technicians and planners and communicators to work building a train system. And we need to put engineers and technicians and uh, communicators and planners to work with something called, you know, energy efficiency, building energy efficiency, home energy efficiency, energy efficiency for government buildings, energy efficiency for commercial buildings. So those are are five areas where we need to put people to work developing better methods. In addition, we need to put people to work as native plant and ecological landscapers. We also need to put people to work in ecological forestry, and we need to put people to work in ecological food production, and we need to put people to work creating food cooperatives, uh, cooperatively owned groceries, and food distribution systems. So those are eight areas. Solar, wind, mass transit, state-of-the-art electric grid, building energy retrofitting, uh, ecological food production, ecological food distribution, ecological forestry, and ecological landscaping. So we can do this, but we have to... Uh, stop believing the lies and the myths that we've been taught. One of the lies and myths that we've been taught is that the free market is the engine of growth, but it's not. The free market doesn't even exist. 
Market forces exist. The free market does not exist. Supply and demand exist, but there's no such thing as a free market. It says here we've developed light bulbs and GPS. We developed the internet. We developed a cure for polio. And we're going to need to take charge of the process of research and development so that we develop positive, beneficial technologies and develop things that people really want and need. So now we're going to go into what President Bernie Sanders will do. So letters A through C, D, E, letters A through D, four different things that President Bernie Sanders will do as part of research and development. It is very important. It is extremely important. It is vitally important, vitally important that we talk about how we're going to spend our research and development dollars. It's time that we stop spending all of our research and development dollars learning how to kill people, which is exactly what happens when we spend it all on the Department of Defense. And yet nearly all, I mean, a good two-thirds, if not three-fourths of our research and development dollars is spent on the weapons of destruction. So, Item 17, as President Bernie will do the following things. As President Bernie will dramatically decrease the cost of energy storage. The Obama administration successfully decreased the cost of installed solar by 90% through a Department of Energy program called SunShot. There are similar energy storage programs at the Department of Energy and some of our national labs that aim to decrease the cost of solutions like batteries. We will similarly decrease the cost of energy storage and meet daily and long-term reliability needs. We will invest $30 billion for a storage shot initiative to meet those goals. The storage shot program will have a goal of commercializing technologies that can provide energy lasting 24 hours to multiple days at a capital cost lower than $1,000 a kilowatt to support the renewable energy needed to phase out coal and natural gas plants that currently serve as a base generation to the grid. The program will also aim to decrease the cost of daily cycling storage resources by at least a factor of three in order to reliably and affordably replace all coal and natural gas plants that serve as backup on the grid. And we're talking about battery storage here. Continuing, additionally, in order to ensure an affordable and complete transition away from fossil fuels in the transportation sector, we will also spend $100 billion to decrease the cost of a new electric vehicle to at most $18,000. So what we've been talking about through this whole paragraph is decreasing the cost of energy 
storage. It's important to decrease the cost of energy storage because guess what? The sun doesn't shine all the time. So we need to store that energy. And the wind doesn't blow all the time. So we need to store that energy. Now, we're talking about research and development. The government is good at spending money on research and development and lowering costs and increasing efficiency. It's one of the things that government does best. In fact, it's one of the things that pretty much only government does, especially in the early stages of a development cycle, the early stages of an innovation cycle. Business might, you know, like to use a football analogy, business takes the ball at the 10-yard line and runs it into the end zone and gets all the credit for it. But it's government that takes it the first 90 yards or at least the first 50 yards. It's government spending on research and development that does all of the early stage innovation. We need to embrace that and we also need to take charge of the process and we need to stop letting the charlatans in the military-industrial complex convince us to spend all of our money on death. D-E-A-T-H. We spend all of our money on death. That's what the war machine is. It is the death economy. We need to spend our money on the life economy instead. So it says, it says here we will invest $30 billion for a storage shot initiative to meet those goals, meaning the goals of lowering the cost of energy. Hey, I know. Let's lower the cost of energy storage because that's what we need instead of lowering the cost of whatever the biggest bomb is. We're not even worrying about lowering the cost. But just you know, building bigger and bigger bombs, building the most, uh, the, the 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 fastest and most maneuverable and most high-tech fighter planes, and the a new generation. President Obama got us started on a new generation of nuclear weapons. Like that's what we need. We need a new generation of nuclear weapons. It's it's not only mad, but it's kind of dumb to spend all that money on nuclear weapons. Yeah, it makes rich people happy because rich people are getting richer making nuclear weapons, but the people don't need that stuff. So it also says here we're going to, uh, you know, lower the cost, uh, the capital cost of $1,000 a kilowatt. You know, I don't know what all that means, but we're lowering the cost of energy storage. So let's go on to the next paragraph. And so what we're talking about here is research and development. And as president, Bernie will do the next thing, which is as president, Bernie will invest in decarbonizing the shipping and aviation industries as soon as possible. Now, Okay, I'm going to go ahead and read this, then we'll talk about But my skepticism here, yes, we need to decarbonize these industries, but we also need to stop shipping less crap. We need to stop shipping crap. What we do is we ship crap called food. It's 
they they think they we we they tell us it's food but it's really crap they tell us it's toys but it's really crap they tell us it's electronics but it's really crap we need to stop shipping so much crap and to the extent that we do ship things we need to make sure that the people that are making the money are also paying the cost we need to we need true cost accounting we need to stop uh, f- letting people make a profit simply because they're basically stealing from us but that's another conversation so uh, invest in decarbonizing shipping and aviation industries as soon as possible the science is clear that the entire global economy must decarbonize by 2050 at the latest if we hope to stave off the worst impacts of climate change. I don't like to see the word 2050 anywhere, but let's keep reading. We must be extremely careful to ensure that as we do this, we make sure that domestic manufacturing and clean economy industries thrive. The federal government must identify and commercialize technologies to ensure the globe is able to fully decarbonize by 2050 at latest to meet goals in the IPCC report. We will fund a $500 billion effort to research technologies to fully decarbonize industry and a $150 billion effort to fully decarbonize aviation and maritime shipping and transportation. So, okay, we're going to decarbonize shipping and aviation. Maybe it's possible to have electric planes. Maybe so. If you can, you know, if you can store enough electric energy in a plane, then maybe it's possible. For now, we need to just reduce air travel by 90%. I've talked about this before. Why not reduce air travel by 90%? If you look at how air travel is used, for one thing, reduce all military air travel, or or at least reduce military air travel by 90%. Reduce air travel to the extent that you have corporate executives flying here and there and here and there, and you've got the big banks and you've got the big restaurant companies like McDonald's, and you've got executives flying here and there and here and there and here and there. Are they making your life better? Are they making the life better for the average American? Are they making life better for anybody? So you've got all these corporate executives flying here and there, here and there, here and there, Yeah, that's one way to do an economy, but it's not the only way to do an economy. So eliminate 90% of military air travel. Eliminate 90% of air travel that represents corporate executives uh, driving unsustainable businesses. So, you know, McDonald's is an unsustainable business. So get rid of 90% of the air travel associated with McDonald's. And you could go, the big banks are fundamentally parasitic. So eliminate 90% of the air travel associated with big banks. Agribusiness is fundamentally parasitic. And you have these monopolistic companies like Monsanto and Cargill and Archer Daniels Midland. Eliminate 90% of the air travel associated with those businesses. It, 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 it's not about making everything more efficient. It's about eliminating some stuff that shouldn't exist 
to begin with. And also eliminate, I'm not saying eliminate luxury air travel, but I am saying make sure that that rich people that are flying on planes have to pay the true cost of that activity. If they're not paying the true cost of that activity, that means they're robbing us. They're picking our pocket. When Donald Trump and his type fly on planes to luxury destinations, is that making your life better? I would, I'm going to ask you to think about, does that make your life better? Does that make life better for you or anybody that you know? When people, you know, spend all this money, you know, we're talking about the top 1%, the top 5%. Fine, let them have their luxury, but let them pay the true cost of these activities. Oh, look at the time. We're just about out of time. Thanks for joining me. We're going to pick this up right where we left off. Any questions, comments, or feedback, please email info at theclimatereport.net.